Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's identity cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs, so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O K. T-A.com. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Going to uh, jump right into the news this week as uh, for the first week of June here. For our first story, um, actually a um, longtime friend of the show and really, really happy for them, A-Cloud Guru. I'm going to get nostalgic for just a second. A-Cloud Guru came on the show very, very early on and really to originally talk about serverless and the serverless platform they set up and were very big advocates within the serverless community. And then, of course, grew their training business and um, really were very successful at it. Fantastic folks over there, great company to work with. And now they've been acquired. Plural Insight announced an intention to acquire a Cloud Guru, going to close later this year. But this is all part of the larger skills gap that is happening in our industry as more and more projects and workloads move to the cloud. Where are the skills to operate that, to set up all the tools, make sure all the data where, you know, flows where it should? And of course, you know, all the certifications that tend to go with that and the job market. So it's really, really good to see this happen. And, and certainly congratulations to A-Cloud Guru um, and everyone there. We certainly wish them the best. For our second article this week, we're going to talk about Snowflake. Snowflake, I mean, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. I mean, super successful. IPO'd last year um, and doing very, very well, uh, quarter over quarter, from a product revenue standpoint. And they've announced their next step. They are announcing a data marketplace and what they're calling powered collaborations. So first of all, let's take each of those in turn. What is a data marketplace? Well, this ability to basically purchase data sets and use anonymized data sets to improve solutions. You know, Snowflake got its start as data warehousing. So now how can I take advantage of some of that data? And, and, and you know, they as a company monetize some of the data. And we didn't know this necessarily was coming, but we did know as Snowflake, of course, you know, as they're public, they want to continue to grow their business. They want to offer new things out there. So this was another offering, another tool in the toolbox, if you will. And the second part of that 
is powered collaborations. Um, they use, an, uh, for instance, in their Snowpark um, support for Java and Scala, uh, uh, excuse me, Scala, and built specifically for data engineers, data scientists, developers in mind. So really continuing to attack that core audience that made them successful. And we have seen this with other data management platforms that are out there in the industry. As you get all of this data, now what can you do with it and how can you help your customers go faster? So very fascinating to see this and really excited where this is going to be going in the future. For our third news article this week, it's all about Confluent. Confluent, of course, um, makers of Kafka. And we actually will link out to the Clouded Judgment Substack. Um, First of all, if you're not subscribed to Clouded Judgment Substack, we recommend it. Um, All about SaaS offerings and S1s and really kind of digging in deep and offering an analysis on them as well. So... They have, of course, Confluent filed the S1, and S1s are are super fascinating for us in our industry because it's that first time you really get that peek behind the curtain of how big are they? How many customers do they have? How do they see their market? How are they planning to make money? And of course, this is starting to drum up excitement for the eventual IPO as well. So if this is of interest to you, Go look at Clouded Judgment and their kind of, I'll call it a review, if you will, of the S1 statement. Very, very fascinating read. And and here at the Cloudcast in particular, we are trying to learn the as-a-service market and the metrics and and what really matters as a lot of our industry start to make make this transition into the as-a-service and subscription-based models. So very fascinating read, and I highly uh, suggest everyone go take a look. And now for our last news article of the week, Blackstone, a private equity firm, has gone into an agreement to purchase IDG for $1.3 million. Um, IDG, of course, and IDC as part of it, been around for a long time. Actually, I didn't know this, but they were around for over 55 years. I didn't know they've been around for, for that long. But what do they specialize in? Market intelligence. Uh, specifically around the technology industry. Uh, Lots and lots of analysts there really looking at and putting together reports for numbers. And IDG obviously going into a new phase of their life as a company, as I mentioned, 55 years old. So going into the next stage and hopefully growth for them as well. And so congratulations to both IDG and Blackstone. And so with that, we're going to move into our main segment this week. Uh, Right after the break, we're going to be talking about building private 5G networks with Rob Parsons. Today's show is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. You know how much we value ongoing education on the Cloudcast. And CBT Nuggets is exactly what Aaron and I wish we had when we were trying to get our certification early in our careers. CBT Nuggets is all about bringing a personalized touch to learning about cloud computing, virtualization, networking, DevOps, and much, much more. Whether it's their hands-on labs with personalized coaching or the online chat functions that come up with every instructor-led course, CBT Nuggets' team of experts is always there to help you get the most from your training and your PASA certification. You can check it all out at cbtnuggets.com cloudcast and sign up for a free trial. You get access to the full catalog of great training, including virtual labs, quizzes, and other premium features completely free for the first seven days. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast.
Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a monitoring analytics platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. Datadog provides dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform, so you can get end-to-end visibility quickly. Be proactive with your monitoring strategy and catch issues before your clients are impacted. Start managing the overall health of your environment with a free Datadog trial. Go to datadog.com cloudcast for the free trial. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, one of the things that we've hit on a few times, um, you know, as we start to talk about edge computing and, and edge computing becomes more and more of a topic in our industry is, is we realize a couple of different things. Number one, uh, there are a lot of different sort of edges, if you will. Um, some people look at them as so, sort of small computing. Other people look at them as, you know, putting technology in places that previously was just very, very difficult to, to reach and to, uh, you know, deliver applications. And one of the concepts that's been coming up uh, quite a bit lately that we've been hearing about, but we haven't had a chance to dig into, is this idea of sort of private LTE, private 5G, um, you know, how do we sort of mix together um, some some private uh, sort of cell technologies with Wi-Fi technologies. And we really kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit today because as more and more people are, are putting technology in new places, that's something that we've got to be able to do. We've got to be able to get to where they are and deliver applications. So very excited to have Rob Parsons, who is Practice Director for Network and Integrated Securities at Insight Enterprises. Rob, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Excited to be here. Thank you. Um, so we're going to talk today a little bit about this concept of Citizens Broadband Radio Services, or, or CBRS. But before we dive into that, um, I want to get a little bit of your background and, and then ultimately you know, how you kind of came around to having this as, as part of your focus areas. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, personally, I spent a number of years in consulting, helping very large organizations to navigate solving business problems with technology. So um, during that time in in the field consulting, I, I actually became uh, very specialized in wireless and, um, you know, spent a lot of time doing Cisco networking and Cisco wireless and um, achieved some some expert level certifications in the wireless space. So um, that's always been a, a great point of passion for me. And CBRS is just a, a narrow departure from that. Uh, so really excited to be able to, to come on here and talk about that with you today. And I think you, you set it up really well, Brian, um, talking about, you know, really the multiple edges. It's something that we'll modern edge as we look at environments today. And, um, when I look at what we consider to be the modern edge, the, the truth is that there are so many different ways to connect that, we have to be able to provide a common set of experiences to users who connect uh, across all of the platforms, whether it's an Ethernet connection at their desk, it's a Wi-Fi connection, you know, in an office or at a coffee shop, or if it's a, a cellular connection um, out and about. And then now talking about CBRS and what that brings us from really a private cellular perspective uh, to be able to connect all of our users in whatever industry it may be, uh, but to do so securely. So I, I look at that modern edge in a few different ways. How do we connect? And then how do we optimize that connectivity, whether it's uh, with a different radio to be able to manage a, a throughput requirement for an app um, or manage a, a security requirement? 
And then ultimately at the end of the day, how do we, you know, pull all that together and make sure it's absolutely secure in the way that we were transferring data. So um, I think you you really started it off well with that modern edge kind of kind of angle on where we have to go here. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so I want to I want to start with some basics because we, we've mentioned this this acronym uh, CBRS, uh, but for a lot of people, they're going, you know, I don't, I don't know what that is. Maybe I don't necessarily live in that space. So give us some basics. What what is the technology? I know it sometimes gets mentioned as sort of private wireless or private LTE, but kind of give us some basics of um, what is it and and sort of you know what do we need to know the basics of that technology? Yeah. So. CBRS is interesting. It runs in the 3.5 to 3.7 gigahertz range. Um, So for comparison's sake, common Wi-Fi that we all have at home uh, runs in either the 2.4 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz range. So it's somewhere in the middle from an RF perspective. Um, And then again, in comparison, you know, cellular is going to run anywhere from 900 megahertz on up. And uh, CBRS is really cool because uh, first off, it's it's a newer technology. It's been ratified more recently. So uh, it's both available to the public, but also uh, there were some, some grants of frequency spectrum that were allocated to um, some bigger organizations that were able to buy that up um, when it was, was first released. So CBRS is great. When we look at the the available spectrum that's available for public use um, in that it's not busy. If you were to be in a a city today and open up any sort of Wi-Fi scanner and look at the amount of Wi-Fi that you see in the 2.4 gigahertz range or the 5 gigahertz range, you're going to notice it's incredibly busy. And wireless in general is kind of a friendly protocol. So when someone is talking on a given frequency, a device is talking, it's common practice for all the other devices around to stop and wait for that device to end. So CBRS presents us with new available frequencies that are not as saturated as the traditional Wi-Fi spectrum. And with that, we're able to get high throughput um, availability for the devices that exist there. So um, really excited about what that means. We've we've done some really cool stuff already um, for some uh, public sector organizations, uh, you know, really being able to, to bridge the digital divide and be able to offer connectivity in a widespread basis for, you know, kids that are trying to go to school and in the pandemic and they need to do so remotely or, um, other folks that need to work from home in that type of situation. Um, but there's obviously use cases in the, the private sector too, uh, because this CBRS technology, uh, allows us to cover a much greater physical area with less infrastructure. So whereas with a Wi-Fi access point, uh, you might only get 100 yards of coverage in an outdoor um, type of cell, you're going to get a much greater physical footprint out of CBRS and still be able to maintain a quality throughput. Uh, So that's really a big deal to be able to deploy less infrastructure and be able to get uh, a quality output from it. Okay. Yeah, no, and, and that makes a ton of sense. I know, uh, you know, way back in the day, I used to work on some of the, the earlier Wi-Fi and, and out, outdoor Wi-Fi stuff. And there was always this trade-off between 
like you said, uh, you know, how much throughput you can get. So maybe it was 10, 10 meg or 100 meg. And then, you know, how far you could go. And the further away you got, the, the less the signal would propagate. And hence, you'd get less throughput or, you know, less devices could connect. I, I'm curious, um, you know, we, we all think about our cell phones. They come with a built-in uh, radio that connects us to, you know, AT&T or Verizon or whatever, you know, 5G, uh, LTE it comes with a Wi-Fi radio. Um, to use this CBRS, because it, like you said, it does provide this sort of nice sweet spot of, you know, less congestion, higher bandwidth. Like, do I need special technology? Is it built into stuff today? Like how, you know, how readily available could this be for, you know, all sorts of applications? Yeah, you definitely need an endpoint that supports the CBRS frequencies. And uh, the cell phone manufacturers are starting to bring it in. So I, I think there are a couple out there that already have the, the chipset supporting it, and we expect more to come as well. So uh, certainly the endpoint is a, a critical component to it. Um, but another thing that we see with CBRS that um, is really interesting is the security side of things. So much like cellular CBRS devices are going to utilize a SIM card. And that SIM card provides a, a physical layer of security for that device to access the, the radio network, um, sometimes referred to as a RAN of a, a CBRS network. And so that gives you that more absolute security of this device is physically authorized to get onto this network. With Wi-Fi networks today, while they are secure, we have a more software defined security mechanism of either a pre-shared key or uh, a multi um, faceted handshake that happens to be able to authenticate and get onto those networks. And so the, the physical SIM card component does bring an element of security to CBRS networks that we don't get with Wi-Fi. Nice, nice. Yeah, because Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, you always had the challenge of these long SSIDs and, you know, was it using this encryption and that encryption, that's nice. You sort of take that out of the out of the hands of people making mistakes of it or having to update it. So that's very, very cool. L let's talk a little bit about use cases. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously, like for kids at schools and cities, uh, you know, the ability to get them onto the internet and kind of do that in, in sort of broader areas or rural areas makes a ton of sense. Like, what are some of the more other types of use cases you're seeing, um, even, you know, even as we're in early stages of this, you know, things that people are either doing well or, or you know, even exploring? Yeah, so I obviously still new, so there's a lot of exploration going on. 100% uh, number of use cases in the, the digital divide, um, you know, getting the, the kids to school, getting people to work uh, remotely over the last year. Uh, when we start talking about private industry, uh, we're talking with organizations around uh, farming and agriculture, how you might leverage the, the CBRS radios to cover large physical areas in the farming industry. Um, we've, we've had talks with um, other government organizations that are, are looking at it from a, a military perspective. Um, we're looking at uh, you know, large manufacturing and um, shipping and distribution, both 
Um, so manufacturing, if you've, you've got any sort of product that, that may need an update in a physical, you know, in, a, in an outdoor lot or uh, uh, an outdoor space, obviously uh, Wi-Fi is only going to go so far. And as you pointed out, the, the limited bandwidth capability, the further you go, the lower the rate. Um, so CBRS helps us to cover uh, a broader area with a, a higher rate. So thank you about anywhere that I might be producing a lot of product, but then gets a final software update before it goes out the door. Um, so anything that's intelligent uh, or um, enabled with some sort of um, computer interface, you know, this is obviously a, a huge game changer to be able to get those updates uh, just in time before product goes out the door. Um, you know, thinking about manufacturing, shipping and distribution, uh, you know, how do you cover the large trucking and distribution facilities? So um, there, there are warehouses that are literally half a mile long. And uh, a lot of times that takes a lot of wireless access points to hit all of the, the trucks that are outside loading up. Um, but ultimately, you might want to transfer data to. So uh, CBRS allows us to cover that with a, a much lower footprint. And then we've also had some conversations thinking um, thinking more of the the waterways thinking about the the ports and dock systems of where you might have a lot of uh attenuation objects so things like metal concrete fencing all are hard on wireless technologies in general um but i i'll tell you it basically those type of things completely knock out the use of five gigahertz so five gigahertz wi-fi uh, in that type of in hardened environment it it's not going to be something that's going to be incredibly effective. 2.4 gigahertz will work, but it's incredibly saturated. So 3.5 to 3.7 gigahertz with CBRS gives us a nice kind of middle ground where you'll get some of the penetrative qualities of the lower frequencies, but also be able to maintain some of the higher throughputs. And so uh, a lot of different privacy private industry use cases in really the early stage of discovery. And I think a lot of it does also tie in with that modern edge that we talked about of, you know, how do you get the connection? Because you're going to have a multitude of connections in those environments. You're going to have Ethernet, you're going to have Wi-Fi, you're going to have CBRS, you're going to have cellular, all of those devices that connect to those networks in the various areas as needed. Uh, the users that consume don't really care what network they're connected to. They care that they're connected. They care that they care that they're connected to the application that they need. They're able to do the work that they need to do. And at the end of the day, we bring all of that back. And sometimes, you know, we're going to do some compute closer to the edge. Sometimes we're going to transfer it back to the cloud. Whatever is really necessary there, uh, we've we've got an incredible amount of flexibility. Uh, I think the flexibility is really the the key story in the modern edge and how we take it uh, and extend it to these different industries. Yeah, no, and and it makes a ton of sense. I mean, we we have, uh, you know, just just if you take that, uh, you know, mobile, you know, transportation use case, whether it's a plane, train, automobile, boat, uh, whatever it might be, like there is so much more information and so much more essentially IT on those things, whether it's sensors, collecting data, uh, interacting with, um, you know, marketplaces, interacting with, 
rail uh, or you know weather, all sorts of stuff. So you think about that and the ability to to start offloading that data uh, further from the actual port at a higher bandwidth. Uh, you know, you think about your plane coming in. Um, you know, that plane has a ton of information it wants to get off the plane before the next plane takes off, and you know, you, you just it's one of those situations where you know just just having the ability to say. We have more bandwidth and we have better CPUs to just do things faster. Uh, and there's always sort of an order of magnitude uh, effects that happens out of that. So that's that's very, very cool. Um, you, you know, I'm curious. We don't have to get into to tons of detail because obviously audio uh, podcasts are an audio medium. So sometimes it's hard to see things. But from a from a design perspective, you've you know, you've designed earlier systems, probably both indoor and outdoor Wi-Fi and so forth like what are some of the different considerations you have to think about for CBRS? Is it, you know, is it mostly, you know, radio placement? Is there, you know, are there new sort of considerations that you didn't have in previous generations of, of wireless that are now, you know, a big issue uh, to, to think about? Yeah, so uh, continuing kind of the, the RF strategy, and this applies to, you know, legacy systems like Wi-Fi as well. Um, but you know, where's your or where's your RF going to penetrate? What kind of range and rate are you going to get out of it? Um, the endpoint is a, a key design consideration. So, uh, you know, we talked about cellular type of endpoints, the phones that are out there, uh, but you also have your uh, more pointed uh, industry uh, endpoints as well. So, uh, for example, like a cradle point type that uh, might be used to uh, connect to the network, but then provide an entire other network on the other side of it, um, you know, as a, a backhaul modem. So that's uh, certainly something that that's a consideration. Are you using pervasively all of those type of devices to connect? Like I would imagine if we were using the shipping example, you know, if we were building a CBRS network, I would put something like that, that endpoint on each ship, and then that provides the connectivity to the rest of the devices um, on that ship. And it's just a single device that's connecting back. And that gives us a lot, a lot more clarity in the spectrum as well um, by reducing the number of endpoints and also allows us to use a higher power device. Um, you know, certainly the the considerations for how how SIM cards are distributed and uh, connected, you know, much more like a cellular type network. Um, so those considerations come to mind. And then last and probably most importantly is the evolved packet core. So on the infrastructure side of a CBRS network, how do you translate that uh, that RF from the radio network back? onto an ethernet frame, onto a, an IP network, um, and then obviously be able to transmit that data from there and you know switch it, route it, send it to the cloud, whatever you need to do uh, once that data hits a, an infrastructure aggregation point. And that that packet core is is crucial to every CBRS deployment. Yeah. I want to I want to sort of shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about about the applications. Um, you know, one of the things about you know whether it's Ethernet or you know Wi-Fi is you don't really have to change the applications. Like applications aren't really built uh, to say, "Hey, I know what the underlying network is." Like the you know, network protocols kind of take care of stuff and backoffs and failures. Like, is there anything that that applications? kind of have to be CBRS aware? Like, is there an ecosystem that's sort of building things that are, you know, kind of sp specific to this deployment? Or is it more just, 
um, hey, now that there's bandwidth in places or higher speed bandwidth, you know, the, the sort of verticals will build their own things um, just because, hey, there's new opportunities there. H- how does that tend to work? Well, I think there's resiliency that should be built into applications that are designed to run over any sort of wireless mechanism. Sure. Um, and this would this would apply to Wi-Fi the same as anything that, that um, runs over cellular as well. And that's really just you need to have an application that expects that there may be a moment in time where traffic may not flow and it may need to wait and be able to wait gracefully uh, for that connection to come back online to be able to transmit whatever data it needs to, whether it's a send or a receive or or whatnot. So yeah, I I think that the at the end of the day, the application shouldn't care, going back to the, the modern edge conversation, if the application doesn't care about what the transport mechanism is, uh, but it does need to have that flexibility and resiliency to be able to handle uh, the things that do happen in over-the-air networks, the the momentary interference, the, um, you know, in the case of Wi-Fi, you know, the uh, airport radar that takes out certain channels for a period of time, <laughs> things like that. You have to be able to uh, be flexible. And the fact is most applications are, and most application designers plan for that, where you get into some true sensitivity is real-time media. So when you're talking about voice and video, sure. that's where the timing becomes absolutely critical because if you don't deliver the packets on time, then you get buffering and glitches and jitter and things like that that are distinguishable to the end user. Right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you one last question. This has been really, really interesting and, and very helpful. So we, we're, we're appreciative. Uh, you know, for anybody who's, you know, a networking professional or, or sort of, you know, has experience, like you said, you know, Wi-Fi certified and so forth, how, how much of a learning curve is, do you do you find this is? Is it sort of just incremental or um, you, do you find it, it's been sort of a, a steep learning curve to pick up uh, the kind of the nuances that you need to know for, for CBRS or, you know, kind of the normal part of the learning uh, that, you know, uh, infrastructure professionals do all the time? Uh, you know, I'd give it kind of a, a moderate rating as far as the, uh, the learning curve. So if you're really well-versed in, in Wi-Fi, um, there's, there's certainly an element, all of the RF stuff tends to carry over. It's a different frequency with some slightly different properties, but most of that carries over. Uh, the The Evolve Packet Core is something new um, from a, a network or Wi-Fi professional perspective. So that's something that, that needs a little bit more thought and evaluation. And... Uh, the the SIM card end of things. So obviously a cellular professional would come in and, and be very well versed in that, that type of SIM card distribution and programming and everything that goes into that. Um, that's not something that we're traditionally accustomed to on the network side of the house. So that has a little bit of a learning curve to it as well. Um, so uh, yes, there's a learning curve. It's nothing incredibly scary, but uh, I would, I would certainly encourage everyone to, to go dig in and um, there the number of resources are growing out there. This is still something that's new. Um, so the, the resources grow every day. If there's not something here today, it'll probably be there tomorrow. And uh, if you want to learn in this space, just, just keep pushing. There's, there's uh, a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. Very, very cool. Good stuff. It's uh, you know, we, we always like to say, you know, there, there may not necessarily be 
completely brand new ideas, but anytime that you can unlock either new bandwidth or new CPU into areas that didn't have it before, you you really start to unlock some really interesting application potential and and typically new business ideas. So uh, it's always fun for us to to kind of dig into new areas and and like we started the show, uh, you know, really kind of establishing what that edge looked like. And I think you, you did an awesome job kind of going into, like you said, this is this is sort of the modern edge. This is the evolution of the edge. And, uh, and there's a lot of opportunities out there. Rob, I want to thank you so much for the time today. It's been great having you on. It's been great to being able to pick your brain for a little while uh, just to learn about this, this new space. So folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we want to thank you as always for listening. Thanks for telling a friend and thanks for giving us feedback in, in all the ways that you, uh, that you rate the show. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up for myself and for Aaron. We want to thank Rob again, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 